Welcome to Fusion Church's Sermon of the Week. Fusion Church is located in Wakanda, Illinois. We exist to complete and multiply people who passionately follow Christ. For more information, visit www.fusionchurch.com. Let's dive into this week's sermon. Hey there, church family. Hope you're doing well. We wanted to do a short video kind of message this week, and we may do these for the next coming weeks uh, while we're gathering outside for our worship uh, at Messiah, because we know that that environment may not be conducive to kind of you sitting and listening, or if you've got kids or your kids sitting and listening to kind of a full message, but we really feel like it's important to keep pressing into the Lord's prayer and what he's saying to us right now. Uh, through this, uh, through the prayer. And and I, I really believe that God's stirring something up in our heart for prayer as a church. And so I want to make sure that we stay focused on this. And I wanted to just go ahead and put out this message. And so we're just going to pick right back up today on kind of where we have left off. So we've been kind of going through this series, looking at the way that Jesus teaches us how to pray. And we've been walking through that prayer just little by little. Last week, I kind of laid out um, why forgiveness is important to Jesus in this prayer. He says, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have debts against us. So, and then he goes on at the end of the prayer to kind of explain even more and says, because with the measure that we forgive uh, the debts of other people, those who have debts against us, that is how the Father will forgive our debts. I'm paraphrasing there just a little bit, but you get the point. So, so Jesus makes this idea of forgiveness really, really important to prayer. And I made the case last week, that's because prayer is primarily relational rather than transactional. And that forgiveness is primarily relational rather than transactional. So just in case you missed it, and if you did, go if you if you did miss it, go back and watch it because I really feel like it's a very important and timely message. Not necessarily the best message I've ever given, but I feel like very important and timely for us. So go back and listen to that. But just in case you missed it, so you can follow with us now. Uh, basically, what I said was God is not our like cosmic vending machine. You know the kind where you go and you punch in the numbers, you put the coin in and it kind of swirls. You pick out what you want. It swirls and it drops it out. Many of us treat our prayer life with God like that, like he's this cosmic vending machine. Instead, that's not what he is. He is a holy father who loves us and wants a relationship with us and knows what we need even before we ask it, but he wants us to approach him relationally. And so um, when we sin against God, it's not just about this kind of debt transaction that needs to be fulfilled. It's not just this pure justice thing. It's actually kind of a violation of our relationship. And that relationship has to be restored. And so we, uh, in, in prayer, we want to approach God from the perspective of that we're approaching one with whom we have a relationship with. And Jesus makes a way for our ultimate forgiveness, for every sin to be wiped away, that because of what he did in his life, his death, his resurrection, that we can boldly come before the throne of God, that all of our sins uh, can be forgiven. And we talked about how while that is true, because we walk in relationship with God, because of the forgiveness that he has given us, we want to make sure, just like with any relationship, that we're walking with him in ways that honor his heart 
Lord, that we are doing things that bring him joy, that bring him pleasure. And in the same way I would do with my wife or my best friend, that I want to make sure that I'm doing things that are honoring to them and bring them value. And when I don't do that, I need to ask for forgiveness. And so that's what we're asking, uh, what Jesus is kind of getting at here, that when we pursue forgiveness, we're pursuing relationship and that opens the door for prayer. But Jesus adds the second part, what we didn't talk about last week, is not just that we pursue forgiveness from God for ourselves, but that we in some way pursue forgiveness of other people. That there's this connection between how we forgive others and how how the Father forgives us. And actually, these are really uncomfortable words to even really think about, that with the measure that I forgive other people, that is how the Father will forgive me. Those are kind of sobering words. It makes me right away think about, well, do I have any unforgiveness in my heart for anyone? Because if I do, I want to let that go because Jesus on on the surface, it just face value saying, man, if I'm holding that away from other people, then the father won't forgive me. So what's up with that? Why does Jesus say that? Why does that relate to prayer? What does forgiving others have to do with God forgiving us? I think we've got to pay attention, and I think that this is really, really important for us. So um, if you just think about this from a purely human perspective. So I'm a dad. I've got two young daughters, uh, and, you know, they're little angels. They, they always get along. There's never any problems. I hope you can hear the oozing sarcasm that I have in my voice right now because they're kids, and sometimes they don't get along. But imagine for a second that I'm in the house with them, and I know that the two of them are in the other room. And they begin to disagree. And again, my kids never, ever do this, right? That's never happened. So it's not a true story, okay? But the kids begin to disagree. uh, And one of them gets mad at the other and ends up breaking one of their toys to kind of get back at them. So I've got one kid who's... Uh, who's angry and hurt because the other person did something to them because my other kid did something to them. They broke their thing and they didn't apologize. And so I can overhear this and I actually see this happening in the other room. I'm watching the whole thing kind of transpire and I'm seeing the hurt that's been inflicted on one child by another. Now imagine the one kid that hurt the other kid comes to me and kind of out of the blue says, dad, earlier in the day, I know you asked me to clean my room, and so I told you that I did it, but I didn't actually clean my room. And I'm really sorry that I did that, and I'm going to go and clean my room. Will you please forgive me? And also, Dad, while I'm at it, um, I know that, uh, that I've done this thing and that you asked me to do it and that I lied about it. And I've asked you forgiveness. But also, while we're talking, I want to let you know that my bike is broken and I really need a new bike. So can I please have a new bike? Now, under those normal circumstances, if my kid came to me and said, Dad, I did something wrong. I'm really sorry. I want to make it right. I would 100% be like, hey, that's awesome. Thank you so much for coming to me. Be so happy to offer forgiveness and even come along. Hey, let me help you clean up the mess, right? And again, hey, your bike is broken. I would love to bless you with that. If I've got the money, it's yours, right? In normal circumstances, that would be no problem at all. But yet I just saw this whole thing transpire in front of me where you hurt your sister and you haven't done anything to make it right. And because I'm the dad and because I love both of you, 
It bothers me when I see you hurt the, hurt the other and you're not doing anything to make it right. You're not doing anything to try to bring reconciliation to the situation. And so while I might not necessarily withhold my forgiveness about the one thing, I'm going to tell my kids, look, you have to go and make that right. This is not okay to come and ask me for forgiveness for this thing and ask me for the bike when you've got this infringement that you have against your sister. And actually, Jesus explains a very similar scenario right before the Lord's Prayer in chapter 5. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is kind of talking about, he's reframing the law of the Old Testament for what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. And here's what he says in verse 21. He says, you heard it said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. So they're going to be in trouble. They're actually going to bring themselves into a position of being in trouble. But Jesus says this, But I tell you that anyone who is angry with their brother and sister will be subject to judgment. So they're going to actually be in trouble. And again, anyone who says to his brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. This is kind of um, an idiom of the day. Basically, you fool, you empty-headed person, you idiot. That was basically what this would be saying. And so anyone who says that, that person, or says you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Again, harsh words from Jesus. So then he goes on to say, here, here's his application. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar... And there you remember that your brother and sister has something against you. So you're there, you're worshiping, you're praying. So the picture here is someone is presenting an offering, a sacrifice before the Lord. They're worshiping, they're praying, they're asking God something. He says, look, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Leave it right there. First, go and be reconciled to them. And th then come and offer your gift. What's the point? When you've done something wrong to someone else, Here's what Jesus is saying. Go and make that right before you come to me and worship in prayer. There's some kind of disconnect in us if we're coming before God and we're asking him for forgiveness or we're asking him for something that we are not willing to go and do ourselves, that we're not willing to go and offer to other people. In that scenario with my kids, you know, as a loving father, I want my kids to be reconciled to one another. It actually hurts and grieves my heart that they would do that to one another if they ever actually did that to one another, right? If that was a thing that happened, it would grieve my heart. It would break my heart. I would, I would be so happy to restore and even help to facilitate reconciliation, but there has to be a choice on their part. There's something incongruent with coming to me and asking me for something while they're inflicting harm on another person. That's exactly Exactly what Jesus is saying is like, there's something off here. If you're coming to me and you're trying to worship, you're trying to pray, but yet things are off. And actually, the Old Testament prophets are full of these kinds of warnings for God's people. Look, hey, you're honoring me with, with this, but you're dishonoring me with the way that you're treating one another. I mean, go and read through the prophets. You'll see God's heart is that there would be reconciliation and that there would be a forgiveness pursued for the sins against other people. And so this is important to the heart of God. It's always been that way. Now, there's an interesting twist here 
in those verses in chapter 5. Jesus there is talking about somebody who's angry with another person. So he's talking about someone who is holding a grudge. That's where he starts out with, someone who's angry or bitter, holding a grudge against another person. It's as if that person is committing murder. And so the warning that he issues, that's interesting, really isn't to the person who's angry and bitter, although that's there. It's to the person who has done the wrong thing, the person who actually hurt or wronged the person in some way. He says, look, if you remember that you've done that to a person, you recognize that in their anger and in their bitterness, in their frustration, actually they're in deep trouble. Actually, there's something going on there. They're putting themselves into a place of deep trouble. He uses the language of judgment. They're actually coming under judgment because of this anger or this bitterness that they have in their heart. And so Jesus' words are to the person who has done the wrong thing and says, look, you can't let that exist in your brother and sister's heart while you're still trying to worship me. So what I want you to do is I want you to go to that person to relieve them of that bitterness and anger by offering uh, your by saying you're sorry, by trying to to make it right. You should go and pursue that person in order to try to relieve that angerness and their bitterness in their heart. Now, to be really clear, Jesus isn't saying that we have the control over people that, you know, that by just asking for forgiveness, that automatically means that people are going to give it to us or that that is an automatic thing that people are just going to say, oh, okay, you asked and you said you're sorry, so no problem. That's not the way this works. But what he is saying is that we should pursue that opportunity to actually make that right. Because when a person is in anger and unforgiveness, we're going to get to how that per- what that person needs to do. But when that person is in anger and unforgiveness, there's actually something happening that's very destructive inside of them. And so what God's heart would be is that we would go and pursue reconciliation, that we go and pursue forgiveness. So that's the first main point. And I only basically have two. The first main point is this, that we should be proactively receiving, or I'm sorry, proactively seeking and receiving forgiveness from other people. We should be seeking this out as followers of Jesus. We should be going and saying, you know what? I'm wrong. I did wrong. Please forgive me. We should be proactive in pursuing that rather than waiting on people to come to us. And there's a critical part of that in prayer. It has the potential, if we do that, to potentially bring healing and restoration to a person and it also has the potential to open up pathways in prayer because I know that I'm not, uh, I haven't wronged my brother and sister and coming to God in prayer with that. And so that's, that's this main first idea that we should be seeking and receiving forgiveness. So the second part of this is this, and this is where Jesus really kind of hones in, is that if we want to pursue forgiveness from God, then we have to be willing to offer forgiveness to other people that somehow the forgiveness that God offers us is related to the forgiveness that we should offer other people. And that's super critical. And Jesus unpacks this in Matthew chapter 18. Uh, and in that chapter, Jesus is actually talking about reconciliation among broken relationships. And so he, he gives us the kind of famous way of this is how you restore broken relationships. And then Peter asked Jesus, okay, Jesus, how many times should we actually forgive someone when they've wronged us? And so Jesus gives them, like he always does, a parable to teach them something. And so in verse 21, I'm going to paraphrase just a little bit. Jesus says this, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like this king who went to go collect debts from his servants. 
And there is a servant who had all of these thousands of bags of gold that he owed to the king. And when the king comes to collect that money, the guy doesn't have it. So the king is going to actually take away his property and actually throw him in prison, sell his property um, so that he can collect his debt. And so the servant doesn't have the money. And so he begs the king, says, king or master, would you please uh, just give me more time? And so the king is so merciful that he says, okay, yeah, you don't have to pay the debt. I actually cancel it. You don't owe me anything. And so then that servant goes on out and walking in freedom. And then he finds one of his fellow servants. And that servant owed him just a few silver coins. Owed the servant just a few silver coins. And so the servant says, hey, I want my money. And then the servant that owes the other servant some, some, a few silver coins says, I don't have it. Would you please give me more time? And that servant refuses to forgive the debt. He refuses to give him more time. He actually says, hey, throw him in prison. He chokes the guy. It's like very, very harsh. And so uh, what happens at the end of the story is after he refuses, the, the, the other servants go and they hear about this. And so they go and they tell the king. And so here's what happens in verse, verse 32. He says, then the master called the servants in, called the servant in and says this, you wicked servant, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or your sisters from your heart. Those are some harsh words from Jesus. Put that in the category of things I wish Jesus hadn't said. I mean, they're really sobering. And we're going to come kind of come back around that for in just a minute. But the essential point of the story is not just what it says right at the end. It's, it's really about a story who recognizes they have this enormous debt that they owe to someone that they can't pay. And that person graciously, uh, the, a per- they appeal to someone, this king who graciously forgives that debt with the expectation that that person would go and do it. It's an unspoken thing. Because I've forgiven you freely of your debt, you should freely forgive others, especially because your debt was so great and that person's was so small. And in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, what Jesus is saying is full of people who have been freely and graciously forgiven of all that they've done wrong. That every possible sin, everything that we possibly could do, Jesus making this connection, that everything that we could have possibly done, it doesn't matter how bad it is, can and will be forgiven by our Heavenly Father. But because of that incredible grace, there's no place for not extending forgiveness to other people. It's actually an abuse of grace to not extend grace to other people. It's an abuse of unforgiveness because our debt to God was so great for us to not forgive debts to other people. No matter what people have done to us, there is no way it compares to what we have done to God in the course of our lifetime. It just doesn't doesn't add up. And that's the point. It's like God's grace is so huge. It's so big. He's so loving and caring and ready, ready to forgive that it's completely inconsistent when somebody receives that to not offer that to other people. And Jesus uses these kind of harsh words here, this warning to say, man, if you don't do that, like this is exactly how your story is going to end up if you don't forgive other people. And look, I don't, I'm going to be honest, I don't like that. 
I want to find a quick way to like soften the blow of those words. But I feel like sometimes Jesus says these things in these provocative, kind of challenging, sober ways because he wants us to feel the weight of his words. You know, Jesus, uh, he is the great comforter. He brings peace into our lives. He speaks incredible healing into our lives. He does all those kinds of things. But sometimes he has to bring a disruption into our lives in order for us to hear exactly what it is he has to say. Jesus was known among his, his uh, followers and among the people around him as a prophet. And prophets were often very, um, uh, very serious in their tone. Uh, Jesus was a man who I'm sure many people wanted to be around because he was so loving and so kind and caring. He had this ability to be so gentle and humble. But yet in these moments like this, he doesn't mince any words. In the, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, look, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your hand causes you to sin, chop it off. I mean, man, that doesn't fit with this kind of like uber nice buddy Christ, you know, that we sometimes think about when it comes to Jesus. And I think that Jesus speaks this way and both his, his people of his day and scholars since then know that Jesus speaks with hyperbole. He, he is speaking in an intentionally provocative way to get us to understand the gravity of what he's saying. It's not to make us necessarily be fearful. It's actually cause us to go, oh my gosh, I can't believe the grace that I have been given. And actually, sometimes Jesus' words should disturb us and bring us to that place where we go, oh, I can't believe how good God has been to me and how much I have withheld that goodness from other people. Now, that's this story prior to the cross. We have the benefit of the good, the whole gospel of the good news. And the whole gospel says this, each and every one of us were those people who are imprisoned, who needed forgiveness and, and probably didn't forgive other people as we needed it. So all of us stand with this enormous debt. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus willfully, freely, lovingly, joyfully steps into our place. The one who had no, who had never sinned becomes our sin. The one who had never done anything wrong becomes the one that offers forgiveness, the one that offers reconciliation. The one who had no debt takes on all of our debt. I mean, that is the good news of the gospel. So I can, I can see in the back of his mind, Jesus, like he knows the plot twist here in the story. He knows that while this is sobering for everybody, he says, yeah, I want you to feel the weight of this because I want you to fully understand what it means for me to step into that prison cell that you belonged in and take upon me all of the judgment that was waiting for you. It's all, it's all on me. That is incredibly good news. That good news actually doesn't mean that we're now free from the obligation to forgive other people. In fact, I would argue it makes us even more aware of the necessity to forgive other people when we understand what Jesus has done for us, when we get the gravity of just how great and awesome God's mercy and his grace and his kindness is towards us, it, we should be overwhelmed and so ready to offer that grace and mercy to other people. It shows us how we are free to forgive. And actually, if the cross is true, if, if Jesus has forgiven us, we not only 
have been forgiven of what we've done wrong. We are empowered to forgive other people. We have it within us. Think about this. The spirit of God lives in you. The forgiver lives in the forgiven. The forgiver lives in the forgiven. So you and I have the forgiver inside of us. And he empowers us to offer forgiveness to other people. I, 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 want us to, I want us to know that that's true. I want us to not settle for less than that. At the same time, I want us to recognize that forgiving people and seeking forgiveness is not always easy. So just because we know it's available to us doesn't always mean it's easy to access in us. Forgiveness is actually really complex, especially when there has been real pain, real trauma inflicted upon us. And when relationships have truly been broken, offering forgiveness to other people is not an easy thing. So I don't want to make it seem like this is just a simple thing. You just do it and you just snap your fingers and then it's just gone. It's not the way it works. Oftentimes, short of miraculous softening of the heart, forgiveness doesn't even seem possible. We struggle to forgive. I love to watch stories of of people who offer incredible amounts of forgiveness. And there's a thread oftentimes in these stories of forgiveness that you see kind of in the news where this person's family member did uh, something wrong, happened to their family member, and then this person offered them forgiveness. Most often, they're followers of Jesus who understand the incredible grace of God. Oftentimes, offering forgiveness or seeking forgiveness is painful. It's often messy. Rather than a simple flip of a switch, it's actually more like a process that it kind of comes and goes. At least that's how it's been for me, and that's been my experience for other, other people. It's a complex process. It doesn't happen just o- overnight. And that pain and that messiness, my experience is very few good things that are healing and bring us wholeness and restoration come without pain without that kind of process. So just because it hurts doesn't mean it's not good for you. And just because it's complex doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. As a matter of fact, I would say the complexity of forgiveness doesn't absolve us of the necessity of forgiveness. The complexity, how how difficult it might be, how hard it might be. Actually, sometimes we will avoid it, but it doesn't actually clear us of the necessity to offer forgiveness. Because as I said in the beginning, the unforgiveness that sits in our heart is actually dangerous to us. It's actually toxic to us. And it's hurtful to other people when we hold people in that place with a debt that they can't pay. It's actually, it's just dangerous all the way around. This is why forgiveness is so important to the heart of God. So we can't let the complexity of forgiveness kind of absolve us of the, of the necessity of forgiveness. So all of that to say, it's, even though it's not easy, it's so important to the heart of God that he, Jesus makes it, it's the only one of these prayers in the Lord's Prayer that he offers any commentary on, says, Lo, no, look, this is super, super important for you to get right now. And I just wonder how might my prayer life be different if I walked in greater awareness of those in whom I owe forgiveness because of, uh, because of what they have done for me or for those uh, who, um, who I need to go and seek forgiveness for them. I just wonder what, what might be going on in my prayer life. I don't know. I don't know how this works. Uh, 
I think that Jesus here is probably speaking in that hyperbolic kind of sense where he wants us to feel the sober warning. But man, I don't want to live with any unforgiveness in my heart. And I don't want anyone walking around me with unforgiveness in their heart towards me because I didn't pursue forgiveness from them because I didn't seek them out. I just don't want that in my life. And I think that Jesus has in mind a kingdom community where, where people really pursue unity and unity can only happen when there's forgiveness. It's not enough just to say, yeah, I'm not mad at that person anymore. In the kingdom of God, in the family of God, it actually takes this this step beyond that. And I think that that is his ultimate heart for that. Now, I know that I don't have time to unpack how to walk in forgiveness, all the details of how to pursue forgiveness, but let me give you some starting points. The first thing I would do is just say, look, I would do this on a regular basis is to win in your prayer time. And I think this is kind of the heart of what Jesus is even getting at is in our prayer time. When we're asking God forgiveness for things, for what we've done, we should say, God, is there any unforgiveness in my heart toward other people? Is there anything in my heart I'm holding against other people? Then I think we should ask God to, and, and really seek the Lord's heart here and say, God, is there any, is there uh, is, is, have I offended anyone? intentionally? Is there, is there something that I need to do and go and make right? I need to go and fix this situation somehow. I need to go and seek their forgiveness. Now, I know that not every situation we've actually, because of everyone's offense, doesn't mean we always have done every things wrong. Some people just live with an offended heart. I'm not necessarily saying that we have to be worried and concerned about all of that, but when we know we've done something wrong, or when something, when someone has clearly said, hey, you have wronged me, and we ignore that, we don't do anything about it, man, we've got to pursue God's heart there, and we have to pursue forgiveness. And so, uh, so, so I think we start, the starting place here is prayer. And when God brings things up, sometimes I have found that I find myself miraculously able to forgive someone, or God miraculously heals a situation of brokenness that he didn't think it was possible for that to happen. I've seen that happen in marriages. I've seen it happen in friendships. I've seen it over and over again, where the spirit of God moves in a situation where it just seems like, man, I don't know how that happened, but there was healing there. Sometimes that's not going to be the case. Sometimes you're going to need help. Sometimes you may have to come to me as a pastor or to a trusted friend that follows Jesus and says, man, I don't know how to work through this unforgiveness thing. And not in the heart of gossip, not in the heart of saying, I need to talk to you about this thing that happened with so-and-so. Actually, Jesus says, don't do that. He says, if you can't work it out in, in, in Matthew chapter 18, if you can't work it out on your own, go to that person. If you can't work it out on your own, then you bring someone along with you to help you work out this, this issue. So, but, but there are times in life where we just, that forgiveness is so, uh, that unforgiveness is hurting our hearts so much that we can't figure out how to get out of it ourselves. And so what I would say is that we've got some really great counselors in our church family who I know would at least have the, the first conversations with you about how do you start to begin to pursue forgiveness, whether it's off, whether it's giving or receiving forgiveness. I would love to have that conversation with you just to say, how do you pursue, how do you take the first steps towards giving or receiving for forgiveness? And I think that if we'll be willing to step into this, we'll begin to, to recognize, man, the intimacy is growing with the Father. And we'll get, begin to see our connection is growing with one another, but we have to be willing to pursue forgiveness.
So my prayer for you is that as you step into prayer, you'll begin to step in more into more this need of recognizing just how gracious God has been to you and just how much, how gracious you should be and I should be to other people. So I'm going to pray for that for you for right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the forgiveness that comes to me through the blood of Jesus, that I am made whole and reconciled. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would remind me on a daily basis of your great and incredible love for me and love for my friends. I pray, Lord, that you would remind my friends watching today of just how infinite your love and your grace and your mercy is for them. But God, I pray that as you do that, you would lay conviction on their heart to pursue forgiveness and reconciliation with those whom they've wronged or with those that they're kind of uh, in, in some kind of fracture uh, where there's some kind of dissension, God. I just pray that you would bring healing and forgiveness to those situations, Lord. Your prayer was that we would be unified as a church, so I pray that you'd help us to pursue that, whether inside the family of God or outside the family of God. I know that your heart is to reconcile brothers and sisters, best friends, mothers and fathers, so I pray for every broken and fractured relationship that when the kingdom of God comes, there would be healing and restoration to those relationships. So bring conviction where there needs to be conviction. Bring humility where there needs to be humility. Bring grace where there needs to be grace, Lord. Bring love where there needs to be love. Let all of the, the attributes of the fruit of the Spirit in the kingdom of God raise up in the life of your people. God, let the forgiven know that the forgiver lives within them and is freely and available to help them along this way, Lord. And I pray that we would walk in radical mercy and forgiveness as a church. I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have a great week. We hope that you were encouraged by this week's sermon. For more information, visit us at our website, www.fusionchurch.com, or you could find us on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great week.